Welcome back to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 86. My name is Chris, and I'm joined today by my beautiful wife and co-host, Julie. Before we begin, if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Also, don't forget to drop by TheologyOfTheBuddy.com for all of our show notes and past episodes. While you're at it, make sure you follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all of the great content we are sending out. You can find out about how to connect with us. Again, that's over at TheologyOfTheBuddy.com. All right, so on today's episode, we're continuing our conversation between Julie and I with regards to meeting God in the NICU, where we're talking about our experience as parents walking with our child, Therese, through NICU and beyond. And uh, it's quite a wild story. So um, we'll just get right back into it. So we're going to continue on listening into the conversation between Julie and I about meeting God in the NICU. Yeah. You know, like all through, all through the whole process, anytime something big would happen, you know, cardiac stuff, you know, this, that, or the other thing, infant Jesus would always show up, always show up. Yeah. He would always, he would always show up. It'd be like, okay. And, oh, I walk into Sunday mass and his statue's there. And I'm like, oh no. I mean, like, like a statue, which was never, which was not, which there was before. not there normally, you know, it'd be like, okay, <laughs> okay, infant Jesus, I know you got something happening. What, what's, what's it going to be? <laughs> yeah. What's it going to be? Yeah. It was the same. He would just always be showing up. So I guess at this point we can skip to the February, right? So, yeah. So, I mean, we, we've, he showed up. Before, like, in February, millions of appointments. We end up needing to take Therese to SickKids for her heart defects. Um, She needed some imaging done there. SickKids is in Toronto. Yeah, SickKids is in Toronto. Which is, like, two and a half hours from where we are. So, basically, she has some holes between, like, in her heart. But she also has a pulmonary vein stenosis. So, she she has veins that converge, like, that come from her lungs back into her heart. But then they also narrow as they go in. So that's where she can get a lot of the complications from. Um, and we don't know if she needs intervention yet, but it's being monitored. And so her cardiologist wanted this done at sick kids. So, I mean, this week in February, we had like a gastroenterology appointment for her. And then we were in sick kids. That was the Wednesday. We got this imaging done. Well, she had an echocardiogram there and, the, and then... That was like the previous Friday and then the Wednesday she had a CT scan. And I think it was like the Tuesday she started having some more like, but she'd had it in NICU before, like throwing up some like coffee grounds. And anytime you see that, it's like, okay, well, is it going to go away or is it going to stay? Because she's, she's literally eating coffee grounds now. For those who don't no, know what it doesn't she, what look, Julie's it doesn't look about. like coffee grounds though. Okay. <laughs> what, what essentially what, we're talking about here is the fact that Therese started throwing up old blood. Yeah. And so it was uh, certainly concerning. We had seen it in NICU, but, you know, it had kind of gone away on its own after, you know, they kind of gave her some, some rest. Um, but yeah, it showed up and it kept showing up. 
Yeah, it didn't resolve. It didn't so we're resolve. Like, so I was like, we got to take her, babe. I got to take her to NICU or to uh, to the hospital. Yeah, and so you know, it it was it was wild because like the week before I had gone up to I had gone to receive communion. Don't tell anybody. And (laughs) as I went up to receive our Lord, like I got right to the front, right to the front. And Therese just hurls all over me, just all over me. And I'm like, I'm devastated, (laughs) you know? Um, And I'm just hoping like nobody's looking at me, but so like we just kind of gone through that, but yeah. And then that, that following week she started throwing up blood and her weight was also like her weight had stalled out too. Oh, big time. It was like struggling to like, she was just struggling to keep it on the weight just period. Yeah. She was around seven and a half, eight pounds. And she yeah. came, when she came home from NICU, she was like six pounds. Yeah. So just like about she, seven. She so she really dropped and then she gained a bit, but yeah. she wasn't breaking eight pounds at all. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was like that Tuesday, maybe I had opened up my guitar case yeah. and I, I, a guitar case I hadn't opened in a long time. Like it was, I have, I've had multiple guitars here and I opened up the guitar case and there was in the, like in the pick holder area of the guitar case, there was a holy card sitting there with and again, I hadn't seen this in a long time. And it was a holy card of St. Teresa of Jesus or of Avila and the child Jesus. <laughs> and I brought it up because I was like, oh my gosh, look at this holy card. And I, I was just kind of excited. I was like, this is such a sweet holy card. Like, you know, I, I think I had gotten this when I was on net, you know, like 15 years ago, you know. And I was like, oh, this is so cool, you know? And it, you know, it has the conversation of like our Lord and St. Teresa, where he says, where she sees the child Jesus and, and he says, who are you? And she says, I am Teresa of Jesus. And she says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus of Teresa. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's, you know, it's kind of like Therese too, you know, Therese of the child Jesus. <laughs> cool. And I bring it up to, and I show it to Julie in the kitchen and she just kind of gets this look of horror on her face. I'm like, what? You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I look at you and I'm like. I think I remember this conversation. You don't remember it? It was like. I kind of do. I, I There's just been so many times of it. Like I remember. Yeah. And seen him at out randomly at uh holy angels well holy angels mike and brooks but also in the chapel at uh saint joseph's hospital yeah yeah this and was just before just before she was transferred to saint thomas to saint thomas yeah yeah and then and i and bring the one up this- was around cardiology too and i think we're around anyway just yeah. Yeah. And he, I, he showed up. Yeah. And I show her this holy card, and Julie just gets this look of horror like, oh gosh, what's going to happen now? And then, and then two days later. Yeah. Uh, I was, and that's was, usually what about what it is, two or three days before. Yeah. The, whatever the thing is. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. So it was clear that, like, the child Jesus has, like, clearly chosen our little Therese. 
Yeah. Um, he has this special relationship with her. I don't know what it is. She looks at him like at her, his statue. And sometimes it almost looks like she's lovingly looking at him. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I, I have. Um, yeah. But yeah. So they admit her and you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was, um, the doctor comes in after I've kind of like gone over things with the nurse and the resident and like, I'm showing them, you know, the, the blood stained blankets and things. And, uh, you know, they're seeing that her weight stall They're They're seeing her even throw up there, you know, in the, in, in the emergency room in London. And the doctor was so kind. She just looks at me and she goes, you guys have been through enough. And like, that was so validating. Yeah. Because it felt like I'd finally been seen. Yeah. Nobody, you know, people were, we had felt so alone. I mean, our friends and our family had given us kind of their well wishes and had, you know, done certain charitable acts throughout. But this was, you know, essentially what we needed at that moment because we were so tired. Yeah. It's yeah. Like behind closed door, like it's just so isolating and exhausting. And when it's been, you know, August, September, October, November, December, January, now into February. And it's like still no answers. She's still throwing up, still facing the same problems, you know, like months of the same old, same old, the same old and yeah. And no answers. And no no answers and nothing to fix it. And, and you just don't, and you would see, I would way out. Yeah. I mean, I would, I remember like she would take a bottle and she would throw up and you would just, you know, like I just feel so defeated and so upset, you know, like trying to think of what else we could tweak or do different or just like anything that could work. And I mean, I would just see just the look of like, she was tired. Like she was just so, gosh, I don't know what the word. Battle weary. She was like, she just looked, she looked defeated. Yeah. Like you would just see her like a sigh, like the, what, and then like just. And she wasn't like that (sighs) in in the, in the beginning. No. She wasn't like that at all. You know, and even in October when she came home, when we started getting her to bottle, there was this level of, you know, like when we, we eventually were able to get her to bottle in November. Yeah. You know, and we, we pulled the tube out, which, by the way, that was a wild story in itself. You know, there was like she developed this wicked cough, and we thought maybe the the tube like had shifted. It's over her, what's going on? It it was it was terrifying. It sounded yeah. really bad, and so I made the executive decision: I'm pulling the tube. This is coming out. We are going to bottle. Yeah, and I remember pull, we Just pulled get that her, tube. Let her be hungry and let her bottle. And we pulled and the did. tube from her out of her nose and out of her tummy. And it came out bent, for the record. In the shape of a... The shape of a U. Um, yeah. Which like will, a, well, kind of like a... Anyway. It curved up at the bottom. It curved up, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. But, but yeah, we pulled it, and that was the first time that day we pulled it that she smiled at us. 
Yeah. She was so happy to have that dang tube out. Um, and, but yeah, so you could tell like she was invigorated. She was, she had kind of found new, new hope, new, yeah. new vigor. And yet, yeah, February, we get there and she's just, she's so tired. Oh, yeah. And we're so tired. And the doctor said what she said to you. And yeah. And so they brought her in. Yeah. And admitted her again. Here we are in the hospital again, restarting this yeah. this process. Felt like we never left. Yeah. We got back into the flow. Yep. Um, and again, I'm at this point, like, I'm, I had just started a new job in January. I thought, well, you know, um, like I started looking for a job because in November, <laughs> backtrack, in November, early December, um, I was fired because of the vaccine mandate. Yeah. No job, no job. No job, no job. <laughs> um, shout out to Belinda Cara Holios and her husband, Jim. For being one of the very few who fought for people like us. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're listening to this or will ever hear this, but thank you. We love you. Um, because, yeah, you gave people like me hope yeah. in the midst of that. Um, me too. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, fast forward. So, yeah, we are. So, I've just started this new job and I have to go to them and I have to be like, uh, guys, um, our daughter's gone back to NICU or gone back to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and they were so understanding and so kind. So praise God and God bless them for, for their kindness. And it was kind of around this time too, that other people from our community really started to come out of the woodwork um, and really show up and help. Yeah. In- incredible. Yeah. There were, it was like as if people suddenly, got a whiff of like what was happening to us yeah we received like mass card after mass card yeah and uh you know people um making food and offering to watch john yeah um which was i mean offering to watch john was i think the biggest help i don't think people really understood that but it was just so necessary because we had nobody and um and like donations of like gifts, like we were lavished with gifts yeah. from, you know, a number of people. But yeah, I mean, in particular, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to like exclude anybody, but like Jen, your cousin yeah, and, and her family and, and her family, just like unreal. So my generosity. aunts and uncles and yeah. friends. Yeah. And, yeah. My own, and my my mom, who was at the time as well in the hospital. Yeah. Um, still is. Please pray for my mom. Yeah, it's it was just a wild ride. Yeah. Um and but yeah, so Thursday or sorry, so yeah, that Thursday she was admitted. Yeah. Um after, you know, previously, you know, going to sick kids in Toronto. And, uh, yeah, they were just kind of like monitoring her, trying to figure out what Bowel was going on. rest and some yeah. better GERD meds. <laughs> trying, yeah, to see what they could do. But it really wasn't making a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, it, like, it started out okay. And then, you know, we were kind of starting to get back into the same, yeah, the same thing. Um, it was the Tuesday then that I was there. Um, 
and uh, I had John with me because I had some, basically some exceptions that like if you didn't have childcare, you know, and we ha- we'd have it sometimes, but um, that particular day anyway, he was with me through the day and, you know, I step out, you know, he's in his, in the stroller and I step out into the hall for rounds with the doctors and they're like, so, you know, I'm like, got my list of questions of like what, you know, what the plan is or what my thoughts were, that kind of thing. And they say, they say to me, so we got some new information, like, uh, okay, like what new information are you talking about? So we got the, um, the results from her CT scan from sick kids. And I'm like, okay. And like, thinking like you're not cardiology what relevance does this have they say to me um she actually has like a really large hiatal hernia i i was just so excited i was so excited because can you describe what a hiatal hernia okay so they described it to me and that we ended up getting her on the surgical team she had a pretty significant surgery but the surgeon had described exactly how it looked. So basically, um, your diaphragm is a muscle that keeps like your stomach below, your lungs are above, so your esophagus goes down um, into your stomach. Anyway, so the hole that that goes through was way bigger than it should have been. Like it should be nice and tight right around the esophagus. It was not. Muscles were very loose and flabby, but her a sixth of her stomach had come up through that hole and we're pushing against like kind of on the side that her heart was on um and her lungs and her lungs Um, so a sixth of her stomach had herniated into her into her chest cavity yeah and Um, so looping back on that that explains tube. a lot you know the the j-shaped tube we pulled out we kind of wonder if you know based on that that tube could have been in the upper part <laughs> in the upper part of the stomach so and she, even the times that we like why couldn't we like an ng is not typically that difficult to insert but i mean we would be only be able to get it so far and it was like it was getting stuck yeah and we just could like why is this getting stuck yeah well that that would be yeah. why um yeah, it, it was wild i mean when you you know d- I'm thinking like with these people, I'm like, they're probably thinking like, wow, she's crazy. How is she excited for this kind of news? Like, you know, but when you have dealt for seven months with a girl who has thrown up every day, every day, multiple times, you know, and is struggling to grow and can't keep anything in and like, no answer, no answer, no answer. It's just good. It's, you know, to get that kind of news is like earth shattering, amazing. We have an answer. We have something that we can fix. Like, I was like ready to just start dancing in the hall. Like, I was just so elated finally having an answer. Yeah. You know, like, man. Yeah. And it's wild. They The only reason why they knew about it was because she had had this chest scan this or body scan. Yeah. The CT in, scan in Toronto, you know, all these things that like, you know, I, I, it's like, I could just see kind of going back. I mean, like 
if she didn't have the heart issues, if all these things in NICU didn't happen, I mean, we would have had no clue. You know, I mean, maybe potentially like she'd had for a couple months later, a scope booked. So, I mean, we eventually probably would have found it. But yeah, I mean, just kind of like going back, 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 you know, could really see how God had like really weaved that together. And like, I mean, God bless her cardiologist. Her cardiologist has like pushed for so much for her to get done that has ended up being exactly what we've needed. Yeah. And just, just random things like, yeah. So there was that. So, you know, cue the surgical booking and, um, because they had to, it was a, like a four hour surgery. I mean, she was there a few weeks. They were trying to get her nutritional status better. We had some like family friends watch John through, you know, kind of the surgery days and a few days after, which was, we are so grateful. Like so, so grateful. But yeah, I mean that it was a Thursday. It was, yeah, third of March. She had her surgery. Um, I mean, they, you know, God really took care of things. She was able to have it done laparoscopically. So they didn't have to do a big incision. They, the surgeon does it like robotically, basically just some tools in her abdomen and she handled it really, really well. But it was just, it was long. It was really long. Like we took her down about quarter after eight and the surgeon around 1130, they had called up saying there was about an hour left. And then 1230, yeah, around one, no, 1.30, then they had called and said that, you know. Yeah. But we could come down in about an hour from there. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was like, you know, but they, you know, they also put in a G tube, which is a a tube that goes directly into the stomach um, and has like a, um, like a cap that that you basically are, you connect to via feeding tube or, or whatnot. So they Um, had like a dual purpose for that. Yeah. Try to prevent the, the hernia. Um, from from recurring again and i mean basically post-surgery they never bottle right away after said like at least a few weeks typically at least typically a few months and i mean she had some like just she she'd never had a good feeding experience like at all at all and i mean until that it would have been an ng tube and quite frankly at this point she still would have had an ng tube but it worked out just better in her favor to to do the G tube and um, yeah yeah so the the surgery was successful that was that was February yeah um, end of well, February yeah, March and she was home about a week yeah after that but while this all of this is happening we also get news back from genetics. Yeah, so we had done blood work kind of like to see why isn't she growing? Like, you know, besides, okay, well, she's throwing up, but I mean, she's still doing the other stuff she needs to do, wetting diapers and yeah, soiling them like she should. And her yeah. cardiologist was like, well, we had gotten results that they weren't completely normal. We didn't know what that meant. Um, and the cardiologist was like, oh, well, you're here. Thank God cardiology coming to the rescue again. Yeah, cardiology and and the surgical 
yes, team and the surgical team really went to bat for us because the wait time in Canada, hashtag Canadian healthcare, two years, two years for you to meet with someone from genetics. They pushed us through and we were able to meet with them while in hospital. Yeah. This was like the day before, two days before we left. Yeah. And what did they tell you? So they told us that Therese had a genetic deletion. So out of the chromosomes that you have, it was number 13. And if you ever see a picture of a chromosome, there's like a shorter part at the top and a longer part at the bottom. Maybe like the the P arm is the top, the Q arm is the bottom. So it's the Q arm and it's kind of like each portion of it is numbered. So the very bottom part is 34. So she has a 13Q34 deletion on one chromosome. So if, for, if you're not a nerd, um, that just basically means that she has a genetic condition called CHAMP1. Yeah. So CHAMP1 is one of the genes in that portion. That's yeah. just deleted. It's just yeah. not there. It's not there. Um, and it causes a whole lot of things. One of them being deformities yep like heart defects well the same like midline defects so i mean like she's got the tongue she had tongue tie that was taken care of and the lip tie but the heart defects the hernia the growing problems the feeding problems like the whole she can't suck swallow breathe like she couldn't coordinate that it explains that um there's usually like concerns about like speech delays and motor delays so yeah, Typically, which, the which common feature is an intellectual disability, but I mean, she definitely has some motor delay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... But it gave us a lot of answers, too, again, that was like, you know, we still would have been left wondering, like, why isn't she doing this? Why isn't she meeting these milestones? Why is this so much work? And why is it so difficult? And- I have a, a specific memory I forgot to mention, too. Oh. So when we were in the NICU... Or sorry, not when we were in the queue. When we were in the, like, we had just been admitted. There was a couple with their child in the in the bed on, you know, because we were in a ward room. So there's two, two kids per room. Mm. And uh, the lady comes around and hands me a holy card. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, again. It's in my wallet. It was called the Inexhaustible Cup. Yes. Which was uh, an icon of Our Lady. And the child Jesus in a chalice. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hello. <laughs> uh, hello again, sweet child Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, he just kept showing up. Um, but so we went through that crazy time. The surgery was generally successful. A um, few little issues along the way. But all in all, it hasn't been terrible <laughs> um not yeah. like it was but yeah. yeah we came home and then we had to start finding normal again yeah um, i mean it was still it was still really really tough because i mean she spent the whole like surgical healing time all of that kind of stuff i mean it, it was rough it was it was still kind of rough just i mean she was still retching not quite throwing up but retching a lot and i mean like post-surgery there's the pain and like the nausea and like it's like her stomach was i mean it's a muscle and any muscle learning to basically do a new thing it's like 
her stomach had to completely learn how to do what it's supposed to do, yeah, where it's supposed to do it, because it just hadn't for months. Yeah. So, like, they went back in and just put the stomach back into place and... Yeah. Yeah. Slowly, carefully, and, I mean, so to for it to learn to expand and get, you know, stretch and, and get smaller like a stomach should, typically... I mean, you got all the swelling. I just, it was, it was still rough for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have then since been back in hospital again, figured out some other things, like the other tweaks yeah. we found out, figured out her pump was overfeeding her. And really, once we got that, I think mostly in order, I mean, she's, she's really been doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, she's growing still slowly. Yep. But I mean, we were even commenting on this earlier today. Like, it feels like she's had a growth spurt. She's still really small. She is, she is very she, small. Like, she's, she's 10 months now, eight yeah. adjusted, but she's like just over 12 pounds. Yeah. I think she's going to move out of three to six month sizes now. Yeah. But she was in like, newborn and zero to three for a long time yeah absolutely absolutely it's yeah. very skinny but she's got length yeah she's but she's still the littlest flower she is she, she really is. is it's funny we've gone out to dinner uh with we actually went out to dinner with matt this was i don't know a couple months ago matt from season one on his birthday uh and uh yeah Troy's is a great party trick because like, <laughs> oh, you, can, yeah. you can take her anywhere and people are like, oh, how old is she's she? She's so and, cute. How old? Yeah. And you're like, why don't you take a guess? And they're like, <laughs> the lady was like, I'm 10 days old. Like, oh, <laughs> oof, <laughs> two months. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Long again. Friends lady. like her head. Like, look, at this head control? The head control is way too good. Yeah, for yeah, a ten day old. Yeah, uh, or even a two month old. Yeah, like, oh yeah, big time. Like, oh no, no. <laughs> yeah, so so pretty wild, but but yeah, no. So it's just been a matter of like finding our new normal now. Yeah, you know, and and feeling like um, we can go out places. Yeah, go out and like she's not going to throw up, or like you need like a buffer between like oh well, she just finished her feed. We can't move her. Yeah, yeah. you know. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, she's feeding every three hours, which is like having a perpetual newborn. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, God has been here in the midst of it. And, you know, it, I kind of feel like, like I was kind of thinking about it. Like we were talking about like, what is really like the purpose of this podcast about? And he spent a lot of time. I mean, anyway, not a lot of time, but enough time talking about that. Like, yeah. What, what is it that we really, that we're trying to communicate with this? And, you know, I kind of feel like, <laughs> I kind of feel like this podcast is like music and like Therese is Therese's story and our, and our stories yeah. are at least on this side of the grave, sometimes more like music than like a storybook because I don't really feel like it resolves the story. The story is still evolving. Like Therese is still a mystery. She still has issues. 
Um, yeah. We don't really know what this champ one situation is going to bring. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't no really know. idea. Um, you know, she, she's still facing certain complications throughout. Um, yeah. And it's for us as parents, it's just a matter of like, we've kind of come to realize that our role in her life is everyone is given a cross. Everyone. Yeah. Including your newborn baby. And our role as parents is to help them to carry their crosses. But the hardest part is not being able to carry it for them. Yeah. It's not being able to just be like, babe, let me take this from you. You know, going through that process with Therese in NICU was a Via Dolorosa. It was a way of sorrows. And it gave new insight into, into what it was like, even just in a very finite way, because obviously we're, we are fallen. We are sinful human beings who are prone to distrust and uh, to doubt and fear and sadness, but it gave gave insight into what Our Lady suffered, yeah. watching as her son comes down the road carrying that heavy cross, covered in his own blood. You know, yeah. the blood that, like she herself provided for his little his little body. Mm-hmm. God gave us the opportunity and still gives us the opportunity as parents to suffer with our kids. Some kids get to have a normal life or a seemingly normal life. I mean, Father Stan has this <laughs> song, right, that says everybody's got to suffer. And I and I know that to be true, but I mean, for us I don't know what that you know, I look at other families and it's so hard not to compare and go, you guys have it easy. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you're taking your kid to soccer to this, this evening, you know, like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm actually running back to the hospital tonight. You know, like it's just been this ongoing stress. There's been so many things that we've wanted to, or I've wanted to be able to invest in mm-hmm. to spend time on things like things like the podcast, but the other things too, like other events and, and things. And you realize, you know, our primary vocation is to obviously to one another, but yeah. it's to serve and to help our children mm-hmm. to carry their own crosses and to, learn to carry them well. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's such a hard thing. Like we have to be able to show our children how to suffer too and how to suffer well. And I mean, I'm grateful for this opportunity because it's, it's taught me so much and it's obviously impossible to share all of this in a single podcast. Yeah. Um, or in two podcasts, because this definitely is going to end up in two podcasts. (laughs) podcasts. (laughs) But, you know, God has, 
obviously taught us a lot of things in the midst of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I mean, since John, and but I mean, especially since like this whole experience with Therese, I feel like the amount of growth that's happened kind of, in, at least in the little ways that God's been teaching me, you know, about the faith, about his church, about who he is, you know, about his faithfulness, about myself, you know, the things that I need to work on and grow in and my sinfulness, my weakness, my absolute need for him. Like, I feel like there's just never been so much growth that's happened in such a short amount of time. You know, I feel like it, it is kind of cliche. At least it feels kind of cliche, you know, say like, oh, it's been hard, but it's been worth it. But, but it's true. Like, it has been so difficult, you know, personally, you know, in our marriage, with John, with Therese, which, with each other, with, you know, all the other stuff of life, jobs, friendship, like, it affects everything, you know, but it has absolutely been worth it. You know, I think really anything that helps me become closer to God, because in this life we, you know, the whole point is union with, with God and where we do really find that is in suffering. And I've found that more than ever, especially these past 10 months, you know, or since we found out that she was coming, but I mean, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Big time. The crosses, it just, crosses are tough. It, it just, it does, you know, and I think there's no shying away from that, but you know, it's been, yeah, so hard, but so rewarding. And I mean, I, I think it's even like, you know, taught me to be even more attentive as much as I can be to other people. And I mean, even if like sometimes what I feel can be small, but it's really not like prayer, big time prayer for, for people, you know, um, prayer is a very, very powerful thing. And I mean, even doing whatever we can practically for each other to help each other, you know, it, like it's our responsibilities to carry our, what do they say? Like our, to carry our, our load, but we need to help each other carry our burdens. Is it that or am I mixing that up? I feel like I'm butchering this right now. Just, yeah. But it's okay. It's after midnight. It's, I know it is after midnight, but yeah, it just, I don't know. It, it, it's just been a big time of growth. Big, yeah. big, big time of growth. And it's not ending. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of wanted to end just with a, a little thought from St. Therese of Lisieux on, uh, on suffering. Because, you know, we, we can say suffering sucks. But Therese, our dear St. Therese, yeah. didn't look at it that way. She said, quote, I can truly say that suffering opened her arms to me from the first and I took her to my heart. And again, she says, and this is, you know, uh, a, a veiled reference to her Carmelite vocation, but she says, when the way of perfection mm -hmm. was opened out before me, I realized that in order to become a saint, one must suffer much. 
Always seek the most perfect path and forget oneself. I also understood that there are many degrees of holiness, that each soul is free to respond to the calls of our Lord to do much or little for his love. In a word, to choose among the sacrifices, he asks. And then I cried out, My God, I choose everything. I will not be a saint by halves. I am not afraid of suffering for thee. I fear only one thing, and that is to do my own will. Accept the offering of my will, for I choose all that thou willest. So we hope that if you are going through your own suffering right now, we hope that this encourages you um, to keep going, to offer it for souls, to offer it for the good of the church, for the good of your children, if you have them, if you don't have them. And your spouse. And your spouse. But know you're not alone. <laughs> and uh, coming back to those who were showed up kind of in that second half in particular um, to really help us. Um, you have no idea how much that impact or how much that has an impact on those who are suffering mm -hmm. because again, it is quite isolating. So if you are in a, in a time in a season in your life where things are good, look for ways. Um, and even if you're not, Look for ways where you can help others who are suffering. Mm -hmm. um, because it's really in those ways that you can kind of participate in the cross, too. Um, you become that Simon of Cyrene for someone. Um, and that's, I think that's a particular important thing, right? When you think about the Beatitudes, right? The blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. We have that that call and that responsibility to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep, and and to to help. My grandfather, I've probably mentioned this on the podcast, would always say, "When one hand hurts, the other comes and helps." And I think it's really important, especially for us as as Roman Catholics, especially for us who are in the traditional movement. It's in those works of charity that um, the greatest witness is is found, you know, and um, and the world will know mm -hmm. us by the fruits that we bear, and um, you know, if we become insular and and uh, don't look for ways to serve others, what well, what does that say about us? What does that say about the church? What does that say about the actual effect of what is happening in our in our beautiful liturgies that we have, um, and the sacraments we receive, and the formation we receive? What does that say to the world? Uh, what does that even say to the church right now? They need to see our love. Um, yeah, they were called to assist. You know, like in Mass, we are supposed to assist in that sacrifice and that suffering. We need to do the same with each other. Yes. Right? Like St. John. You can't Christ take it for them, but no. you. Yeah. Yeah. Like St. John Chrysostom says, St. John Chrysostom says, right? If you can't find Christ 
in the beggar at the door, how will you find them in the chalice? And I think that's, that's really the case. So, you know, again, we hope this was of some value to you. Maybe it wasn't, I don't know, but this was a great chance for Julie and I to sit down because we don't generally, and we haven't had the chance to even podcast together, have her on the show really. In a long time. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe we'll have you back again. I don't know. Right now, like we said, she's still really busy and I'm still really busy with with babies and jobs and all of that, but... Sometimes um, with the kid and the podcast interruptions and yeah, it does. It just we've, li- we've literally so had to stop the podcast multiple times. Oh yeah, of we've been <laughs> so far. Like you're not trying. hearing this in, you know, because of post editing, post production. But yeah, you know, a lot of breaks. <laughs> there's been a lot of breaks. Thus, why we are recording at twelve thirty at night right now. Oh, is it twelve thirty now? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I guess. I mean just to come back to our sweet infant Jesus even he was born right into suffering you know so I mean remember him remember him and ask for his help because he will he will help you try to include in the show notes some links to some prayers and some miracles and, and such that he's like the infant of Prague is really known for which is also so, a Carmelite devotion. Yeah. Um, it all comes back to Carmel. <laughs> <laughs> but that. but take seriously, seriously, um, yeah. Go to the infant Jesus. Yeah. Go to him. He will help you. And as always, stay... Stay tready. tready. <laughs> <laughs>